Welcome to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Should it matter if a white or a black person runs your business or your personal affairs? Well, the late tennis player Arthur Ashe once was ridiculed by a friend for having a white man handling his money. Ashe responded by saying, I don't have a white man handling my money. I have Donald Dale, who happens to be white. So is it beneficial to us or even necessary to have white people handling our affairs? Well, let's get down to business. The business of being black today is does white make it right? Please welcome the president and CEO of the I Choose Life Foundation, Tony Wayford. Hi, Tony. How you doing? Very good. Welcome to the good. show. Thank you. Educator and the co-founder of Ed Anime Productions, Dr. Ma'at is with us again. Hi, Dr. Ma'at. Hi, 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 Tammy. Peace and love to you. Yes, the managing partner of the Ovation Agency, Thornell Jones Jr. Hi, Thornell. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Tammy Matt. It's nice to see you. Social media consultant Lawan Moses is with us today. Hi, Lawan. Hi, Tammy. And the executive director of Curly's House Food Bank, Laverne Spicer. Hi, Laverne. Hi, Tammy. Thanks for inviting me on. How's that food bank going? Oh, very busy today. Good, good. Thank you for all uh, your service that you do. So let's get things kicked off. The title of the show is The Business of Being Black. Therefore, I handle black business. I want to know why should black people care about white folk handling their business? Why should black people care if the white man's ice is colder? I'm going to kick it off to you, uh, Tony. <laughs> I, I don't want white people handling my business. Uh, my first, oh, tell us how you really feel, Tony. Okay, we're kicking it I'm, off strong today, boy. Strong. I'm, just, I'm going black first. Uh, anything, uh, any and all things that I've done, actually, that has been successful in my life has come at the hands of white people. I mean, black people. I've, I've learned early on, ain't no magic in white people. Sometimes we want to believe that. And I think sometimes we think it's, it, it's also disturbing to me sometimes when people think especially when they have black people, other black people say, well, you know, you need two or three good white people. I need good people to work with. But when it comes down to it, I'd much rather work with black people first. And then if there's room for a white boy, then I'll let him in. Wow. You telling all our secrets and everything in the first 10 seconds of the show. Well, you know, you need a couple of good white people on your team. Uh, Thornell, <laughs> why should well, black look, people care? Why? Why should black people care if white people are part of their affair affairs? Well, I gotta be honest with you. I come at this from like both sides of it, but I, I do have a point of view. I gotta go back 30 years when I first got in the music industry. And for me, it started with uh, actually being offended by what I call the racehorse theory. The idea that there are, you know, black and brown talent being represented by white men for the, for the most part. And what we found from the Annenberg Inclusion Initiative that was published in June of 19, uh, 1921 is that still exists. Almost 87% of major label executives are white. And the people who are there, there's only one woman, and that's... Um, Sylvia uh, Rome? No, um, it's the woman who runs um, Rock Nation. I can't remember her name right now. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if you look at the middle level, there are plenty of people of color um, who are running enterprises. But why and should black people care? Why should black people the reason, care? The reason why they care is because you want to maximize your profitability. 
And if you're looking to access more capital and more resources, you're going to want to, to you know, get as high up into a structure as possible in order to make things happen for yourself. And let's face it, people like doing business with people who they know and they have established relationships with. And this is changing over the course of time. And it's changed Well, I, I certainly understand what you say when you say you want to maximize your profitability. That's a great reason to work with anybody, really, right? Uh, Desiree Perez is the name at Rock Nation that you're referring to. Yeah, LaJuan, why should Black people care if they work with white people or not? Well, I will say that I will say no, white does not make it right. However, when we look at the structure of things that we do, it's about position, access, and voice. So a lot of times, yes, we have the voice, our voice is not diminished, but when we look at the top positions, the leadership positions, the areas that we're looking to go, it helps to have white people on our side, white people as advocates, as allies in this business that we're getting done because they can perhaps be that forefront and that advocate for us and working alongside us. So it's not that they're doing everything for us and they are right because they're white. It's just the fact that a lot of times when it comes down to it, people are already counting you out because of how you look, how you present. So when you're able to align yourself with a white ally, with a white advocate, then they're able to help you be that voice to get more access, more opportunities, and into more positions. All right. Uh, Laverne, talk to me. Why should I care? I'm a Black woman. Why should I care if a white or a Black person is my manager? Well, for me, I operate a nonprofit organization. I provide food for people and also wraparound services, helping them with all aspects of their life. And that's something that I have been doing for the last 22 years. And in my line of work, you need white people to help you. There's no other way around it. So far as what I have seen, um, they have been really helpful. So uh, in my line of work with helping me on every aspect, and at the end of the day, uh, very much needed in my uh, line of work. Dr. Mayotte, talk to me. Why Thanks. should Black people care is the question. Yeah, and so, Tammy, I, I'm with Brother Tony. Uh, black people, we should be able to do for ourselves and, and build with, with one another. Uh, for any Black person who feels like we need white folks. These are black people who have clearly bought into the lie of black inferiority. And so to feel, and, and that lie has contributed to us feeling like we need white folks and we can get into the whole savior complex later on, but we should care, uh, uh, Sister Tammy, because again, a lot of us have bought into that lie of black inferiority. And in order for us to do for self and build for self, we need to do away with that lie, okay? And so that's why we should care. We need to dismantle that myth, that lie of Black inferiority. There's so much to, uh, listen, y'all gave me so much to go into here, okay? So let me see where I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with Tony because Tony said, uh, you know, I listen, I wanna work with Black people. That's it. That's all. I said what I said, yeah. right, Tony? Yeah. Well, yeah. Then yeah. If, we're, if we're under that notion, then can we be mad when white people only work with white people. Mm. Um, 
Well, I'm never mad when white people only work with white people. I get upset when black people don't want to work with black people. And when black people think it's some magic in white people. And when black people seem to believe that the only way we get over is have white people involved. I'm not in, in, in terms of our level of success. I'm not going to lick a dirty dope now for a dollar just because a white man dangling in front of me. I'm not going to do that. And I think that if we can come, if we can be allies and work on some things, certainly I'm open to that. But I don't, again, I, I've been very, 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 very fortunate to run my business. And most of the support, 98% of the support I got came through the hands of black people helping me, partner with me. When I first came, I work in HIV. When I first came up with the idea to test black people all over this country for HIV, I went to Al Hamer. You guys may know her from him. He used to be a concert promoter. Now he does boxing. Al gave me over $2 million in tickets that I used for incentive for black people to test. White people tried to go around me and see if, in fact, I could, uh, if they could get to me uh, uh, get to him and go around me. He said, no, Tony, they're trying to usurp your power. I'm going to give you a letter. Tell them I'm giving you what I say I'm going to give you. Because, again, and I just believe that we can do it. We we can do it. We just have to quit being thinking there's some magic in white. That's mm. just my position. I only got on this white shirt because I couldn't find another. <laughs> you could, but you got a black one underneath. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with you already, Tony. And the show ain't even started. Thornell, is there white in magic? We talk about all this black girl magic, this black boy magic. Is there magic in white people too? I don't think that there's magic in it. I just think that, you know, that it is, it at some level, maybe it's cultural. And, you know, I remember when I worked at AM Records in 1996, there was a summer training program that was started by a white man, Herb Alpert to actually develop the networks of young black and brown people in the music industry through summer internships so they could develop their own networks and eventually ascend to the top. Um, at this point, for example, there's only one black head of a major publishing company, and that's John Platt. The only reason why I know him is because I was in the room. I've been you know, a member of a number of Grammy committees, et cetera, and we met in the early 2000s and we maintain a relationship to this day. But that's only because I was in the room. You gotta get in the room in order to ascend. And so- When you talk about well, ascending, that's a good point. Well, when you talk about ascending, um, mm -hmm. it takes me to what Lawan was saying, position, access, yes. and voice. So yes. why is it we can't utilize, Lawan, our own position, access, and voice, and we need the help of or the positioning of a white person, the access of a white person or the voice of a white person to ascend, as Thornell says. So I feel that we can use our own voices, but it comes down to the fact of, again, the culture, the society, the way that things are designed. It's really, you're counted out. A lot of times black people are counted out before we even get our foot in the door. So yes, we have the voice, yes, we have the position, but a lot of times it's that thing of who you know, not what you know. So when it comes to that part of it, it's the fact of right now, white is leading the leadership position and all of that. So it's not necessarily saying that we need the white to make it right, but it's the fact that if we're partnering, if we're allying, if we have the inclusion part of it, then we're working together towards a common goal. So it's not the, they're, co they're coming to save us. It's them coming in to work with us and recognizing that, hey, I may need to partner up with you so that we can go to the next level. Hmm. I want to tap into that specifically about uh, the music camp you talked about, Thornell, when we return. I want to know um, when white people help black people, is it really to help us ascend or to help them ascend? We'll respond uh, when yeah. we return on the business of being yeah. black. 
Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack. And the business of being black today is, is the white man's ice colder? Does white make it right? Thornell, when we left, we were talking about a music camp that Herb Alpert, who you're right, he does a lot uh, for black and brown people in, in the world of music, for sure. Um, and I oftentimes go to his jazz club in L.A. called Vibrato. So, hmm, I'm a fan of Herb Alpert, all right? Making love in the rain, baby. Um, so... But you talk about a camp that he had for black and brown people. So I want to talk about, and, and you said that it was to put black and brown people in a position to where they can ascend. So my question becomes, you mentioned earlier that there are no white, no black people in positions of power in the music industry. So if there are no owners of uh, these record labels or, or black people who are record executives, right, Thor uh, Thornell, then putting black musicians in a position to ascend is kind of a mute point because they're ascending to work for white people, which means that these white executives will be making the money from black musicians, which is really helping to ascend the white people, not the black people. Well, you know, Tammy, I can appreciate, you know, that point of view. But you'll have to understand, in the 90s, there was a huge consolidation of the major record companies. There used to be six, and now there's only three. And all of the major record companies were bought up by multinational corporations. You know, Vivendi is not a music company, you know, but they own Universal, the largest music company in, in the world, right? Um, so part of what you're seeing is a global phenomenon where, you know, yes, there are... Ex black executives, but when you get into the corporate structures that own those music companies, there aren't very few black executives. So then Dr. So, Mayotte, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Thornell. No, 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 please. So Dr. Mayotte, then why, why, listen, why should we care if we have examples like Master P, for example, who was selling CDs out of his trunk and amassed millions upon millions of dollars uh, with his own label, right? No Limit Soldiers, uh, his own record label, and and white people came after him. They wanted what he had. He was like, nah, I think I'm going to stay black. I think I'm good with this. Why do we feel like we need these executives to get us to these higher levels? What's the thought process there? Well, well, again, again, um, I, I want to say and, and salute to Master P. It, there's power in ownership. And see, Master P understood that. When you own, you control. Whatever you own, you control. And there's power in owning and controlling. So that's why Master P said, you know, I'm going to be independent. I don't want anyone to own and control what I create. And so a, a lot of times, again, as I said at the beginning of the show, we brought into the lie of Black inferiority. So a lot of Black people do not feel like we can be successful unless there's a white person involved. And so I know that Thornell and the sister LaJuan, they spoke about elevating, right? Like if you want to get in, the only, yes, if you want to get into their system and climb, possibly, then you need white folks. But for people like myself and Tony, Brother Tony, who subscribe to self-help, self-reliance, uh, independence, uh, liberation and sovereignty, we don't need white folks for that. When you go back in history, uh, Sister Tammy, uh, Black Africans built one of the oldest thriving civilizations in the world, and that was Kemet. Uh, Kemet is a word 
uh, that means, um, it's the oldest civilization, I'm sorry, it means land of the black people or land of the blacks. And this was one of the oldest thriving civilizations in the world. We built that, Tony, I'm sorry, Tammy, without uh, white people, without anyone. We built that. And when you go back to history and you think of all of the different organizations, when we think of Marcus Garvey, when we think of the Nation of Islam, we were able to build thriving uh, businesses, restaurants, schools, nurse courts and whatever without white people. So we've been successful for white people uh, without having, without white people, Tammy. And so again, people who believe that we need white folks are people who have really bought into the lie of black inferiority. And these are people who want in on their system instead of building their own system. Lawan, I want you to go ahead and respond to what uh, Dr. Ma'at has said. I know Thornell, I know you want to respond too because she mentioned you. Yes. So in terms of buying into their system, even if to me, even if you're building your own, there is still that, I guess, bonus or benefit that comes into partnering with someone as a white ally, as a white advocate. Yes, we do. And we are powerful to do it on our own. We can make it on our own. But when it comes down to face to the front, as I've said before, you're getting counted out before, as soon as you walk in the door, as soon as you're applying for that loan, as soon as you're going for that next step to be that executive. So perhaps if you are partnering up, you're building a partnership, you're having an allyship in all of this, then you're stepping together as a forefront. So it's not that I'm subscribing and saying, I need you so that I can make it. It's saying that I recognize that together, perhaps we are stronger and we can both advance our goals. Now with anything, you have to question someone's true motives. And that could be whether black, brown, white, indifferent, everyone's motives have to be questioned at the end of the day. So I I can't say, is this white person being true or not? But if you count their character, you get to know this person. If this is somebody you're going to a partnership with to make it to whatever business you're building or level you want to get to, then I would feel you would have some trust in that person to help you. So it's not necessarily I'm feeling inferior or I feel that this is the only way I can be successful. But if I'm getting counted out from the very beginning, why not join together and make my partnership stronger by joining with a white ally? I'm if coming to you. I'm coming to you, Laverne. I'm coming to you, Laverne. But Thornell, I know you wanted to respond. Well, I want to respond because I mean, you know, I don't look at that as a personal front. I absolutely understand what you mean about you know internalized um, black inferiority complex. I, I totally get that. But I don't think that the, that that this is what this is about. I think it, that as a business person. Um, you have to be looking at maximizing your profitability, growing your business to the best you can. I think the best, I mean, I'm going to use music business examples because that's what I've been doing for 33 years. But you have to understand that the music business in America was, you know, grown out of racist principles. And it probably needs to be dismantled and, and a new order come together. But if you look, for example, at what's happening um, with African music, music that's coming out of, out of Africa, they, black people on the continent, built their industry to the point where it began to dominate um, on the world cultural scene. And one by one, all these multinational corporations went and did partnerships with those companies from Nigeria, from Tanzania, from South, from South Africa, in order to be able to tap into that market. They even started putting their major white artists on those 
art, African artists' records with the idea that they were going to cross them into Africa. Instead, it did the opposite. It made African music grow, right? So here we are in a situation <clears throat> where we talk about what Lawant is talking about, is having partnerships with people who understand about maximizing profitability. Thor not Thornell, I understand what you're saying, but I you're going to have a very hard time convincing anybody that, uh, that white people in the record business, in the music business, were ever out to partner with black people. They've been stealing our music since uh, Lil Richard said so. Okay, so you that's a hard press one. I mean, when Michael Jackson it, it, and it, Prince... It, 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 when Michael Jackson and Prince, the, the biggest selling artists of all time, go against the record labels, you know that's a problem. Uh, but Laverne, uh, go ahead. I want you to get in on this one, please. Okay. Well, first of all, I feel that we as Black people are so gifted. We are gifted. We are intelligent. And we have our own gifts. And that's why... When you look into history, I see that so many Black people invented so many things because we are just gifted and naturally talented people. We know how to create our own. And with that being said, when just because you are able to do that, and because you choose to partner with a white person, because you feel like you want to work with them, I don't see why that should make you feel like you are have some type of inferiority complex. I don't see that. I just good point. Yeah, I don't see that as an inferiority. Yeah, good, good point. Um, it's in some areas. In some, such let's go to a quick commercial I, break. We'll be right back. We'll be right okay. back back to business of being black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. And the business of being black today is, does white make it right? Please welcome the president and CEO of the I Choose Life Foundation, Tony Wayford, educator and the co-founder of Ed Anime Productions, Dr. Maat, the managing partner of the Ovation Agency, Thornell Jones Jr., social media consultant, Lawan Moses, and the executive director of Curly's House Food Bank, Laverne Spicer. So I want to get into um, a different segment of what it means uh, for white people to help black people. Let's take a specific instance like Kim Kardashian. She used her celebrity status to lobby the Trump administration to release low-level drug offenders from prison. Could she have gotten those people out of prison if she was black? But more than that, I want to know, she came to the rescue of several low-level drug offenders when no black person did. Tony, talk to well, me about that. Watch, well, a broke watch is right twice a day. So it's not like she did nothing magnificent or anything like that. And I think it's also important when we talk about, I, had, I have to go back when we were talking about the music part, because as Malcolm said, of all of our studies, history is best prepared to reward our research. And you can't talk about music unless you talk about Clarence Avon, who actually kicked up the door so you could be in the room, brother. So it wasn't the magic or, or, or just benevolence of white people that got you in the room. We're just going to be honest. Uh, and, what, and, what Kim, and what Kim did, I mean, it wasn't no magic in that. And I think the reality of it is there have been black people lobbying forever to get other black people out of jail. Uh, so she's not the first one to do that. It's just because she's a, she's a pretty little white girl in America decided to hold up as a poster child for liberating Negroes out of the penitentiary. I'm not giving her nothing for that. 
But she did it when no one else could, Tony. No, no, no. Well, no she got action. That's not true. She got, she, not got true. Act, she got action because who she was. And everybody else was trying to do that. It's not like we haven't been lobbying and trying to do that. She just got action because, again, it would also make the world think that this white girl came to the rescue. Dr. Ma, you say it's not true. I'm That's not true, Tammy. If, if, if people do a little bit of digging, they'll see that Kim Kardashian was actually working with two sisters who were already doing this work for years. This so Kim true. Kardashian wasn't the one that was out here freeing all of these people. Kim Kardashian was working with two sisters. And right now, and I, I forgot their names, but people can do their due diligence. It was two sisters who were doing the legwork to get those people out of prison. It wasn't Kim Kardashian. She may have been the face because she was working with them and she was the celebrity, so people gave her the praise. But the praise went to those two Black women who had a nonprofit organization who had been getting Black people out of prison for years. But the two women, the two Black women, weren't the two women who went to talk to Donald Trump. It was Kim Kardashian. Why? Right. So Kim Kardashian went to talk to Donald Trump. Yes. Donald Trump. Yes. But what I'm saying to you is that who was doing the legwork, Kim partnered with these sisters. And like I said, I forgot the name of the nonprofit organization, but it was two black women who freed a lot of the black people that people gave Kim Kim Kardashian the credit for. It wasn't Kim Kardashian. It was two black women who were the force behind the freedom of those of those inmates. It wasn't Kim Kardashian. And Go ahead, Thornell. We'd also be there, like that. We'd mention brother who created. Go ahead, Thornell. Excuse Thornell. There's there's that word again, partnership. You know, it comes up in a different context. These two black women were doing the work, and then you know, Kim came in partnership with them, and then delivered this narrative through the conversation with, with Donald Trump. Now, I don't like to give him credit for anything, but you know, Kim was able to shift the needle on this issue and bring this, these issues into the national consciousness and the national conversation about prison reform, where all the conversation that we've been having in the community, in our community, wasn't moving the needle to where it needed to be. That's so true. I think this just reinforces the idea of partnership. Hold that thought. Hold on. Hold that thought. Those two. Hold that. Hold that thought. One second, Thornell. Sure. Those two black women were Myangela Cody and also Brittany Barnett. Thank you. Go ahead. Go ahead, Thornell. Well, well all, all, all I was coming coming back to say is I think it is important for black people to support black people, uh, community initiatives, HIV, um, health, welfare, our our community and our culture. That is a paramount. I remember when I first got into the music industry and I saw a rainbow of people who were, you know, at the ground floor in the hip hop promotion department. And ultimately that played out and as the way we see it right now, whereas those non-black people have ascended to the top. And here we are, you know, kind of stuck in the middle with this glass ceiling, if you would. This is the reason why I do support the idea of developing your own structures. Somebody mentioned before the idea of Master P owning his own masters and controlling his own destiny. And what I can say about the music business that has changed in the last 30 years is the idea of independence giving a larger piece of the pie and controlling their destiny by owning their own masters. Lawan, I want to talk to you. I, wa- I want to talk to you about Kim Kardashian. 
Yes. So in bringing up the whole partnership, could it be that the two black women that we mentioned that were running the prison reform, they recognized that they needed to partner with someone else to advance their initiative? Because then Kim Kardashian, it goes back to the access. She had the position and then she was able to be the voice. So it may not be that, yes, Kim got all the praise and all, but it was brought up that it was a partnership she formed with these two black women. So maybe they recognize in the work that they were doing that, okay, we're doing this great work, but we want to bring it to a larger scale. How can we bring this to a larger scale so that people can recognize the importance of the work that we do? And of course, when things go out, it's going to be portrayed one way, but mm -hmm. Kim was able to help them get these things done. So again, it's going back to that, having that position and access. So yes, we're partnering together and Kim may have been the face at that time, but it goes back to the history of they partnered together and then they were able to get these people released. Tony, I want to ask you real quick. So um, could my angel and Brittany have gone to Donald Trump on their own? They probably, they probably, they, yeah, they probably could have talked to some other black people. They didn't need, they didn't need that white girl. It was a they lot of black people them. up on the hill that's doing a whole bunch of stuff that actually are even skilled negotiators. And because again, we know Donald Trump, it ain't because he's principal that he did it. All you had to do was offer this, this, this guy something and he'd have done it. If there are black people on the hill that would have helped to lobby that. But And then again, it's important. If we're going to talk about them, we also be derelict if we talk about the brother who's been getting brothers in and out of penitentiary forever. That lawyer, I think he created the Innocence Project or something like that. Yes. He did a big article. Yeah, so if we're going to talk about Kim, please, can we bring up the brother too, who's done a whole lot more than Kim did? See, okay. that's what happens. Well, sometimes when we get to waving that white flag, so but we suffer historical amnesia by what we've done. Come on, brother Tony. And I have been doing since the beginning of time. So then let me talk about this. Would President Barack Obama have been elected if he had a black running mate? Or you know what? Let me keep it simple. Would he have won if white people didn't vote for him? Well, well, white people have a population monopoly here in America. So, so then we needed white people, right? Huh? We needed white people. And that, I mean, like I said earlier, if you want to buy into this system, right, then you need them. But I'm, when you talk about buying your, I'm sorry, building your own, no, you don't need them. He wanted to become the president of the United States of America, meaning he wanted to be the face, the head of a white power structure. So yes, you need white people, right? If you want to be the head of a white power structure. But if that's not your goal to be the head of a white power structure and we want to be independent and build our own, then we don't need them. But yes, if you're trying to integrate with them and be with them and, and advance in their system, then yeah, you need them. But if you want to be a liberated and sovereign people, then you don't need them. All we have to do, Tammy, is build our own and protect what we build. That's mm. it. Okay, Laverne, uh, do you think he needed a white running mate in order to win? <laughs> well, no, because of the fact that he had a lot of support. I mean, Black people supported him as well as white people supported him. So... That's it. He just had a lot of support. So it's not like he needed anybody because he had that supported uh, base uh, backing him. Okay. Uh, point duly noted. Uh, when we return, I want to talk about something that's my favorite subject, and that's the civil rights movement. I want to mm -hmm. talk about white people being allies in the civil rights movement, and were they necessary? 
for us to progress in the way that we have today? Or as Tony suggested, am I forgetting? Am I leaving out our own history and what we've done? We'll talk about it when we return on The Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. We'll be back. Welcome back to The Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack and The Business of Being Black today is, is white right? Does white make it right? Is the white man's ice cola? Do we need white people in order to ascend in America? A couple of my panelists say, hail to the null. And a few of them say, listen, profitability is what America is based on. And if you want to profit, you need to holler at the white man. All right. Uh, <laughs> Tony's laughing at me on that one. Let's talk about the civil, the civil rights movement. Would the civil rights movement have made the same amount of progress if there were no white people on our side? And I say that because, honestly, white people significantly helped in the movement they were our allies in every way some of them when we talk about the freedom riders we uh, talk about james zerg who was one of the freedom riders who got ripped to pieces shredded to pieces for helping black people when we talk about even uh the the, the grandest of the olympics where we had the brothers holding up the power sign, the black power sign. We can't forget about Peter Norman who wore the pin in protest as well. So we can't forget about those white people who gave us rides during the bus boycotts. How do we not need white people, Dr. Mayotte? Y'all sounding crazy to me now. Well, well, Tammy, I mean, when you think about the civil rights movement and, and, you know, and salute to those brothers and sisters, uh, I know that some people have their criticisms of um, the civil civil rights movement. And so there were white people and, and, you know, we we would be being dishonest to say that there weren't like white people who um, who assisted. You know, I mean, if you if you go back into slavery and talk about the Underground Railroad, there were always, you know, some white folks. Who, uh, who you know? Who did assist? You they know, provided safe but, houses for. Yeah, us. who did assist, yes, Tammy? But but let's not act like that was the collective of white folks, right? Let's not act like you know it was the majority of white people who were being allies uh, to black people during that time. And if the civil rights movement was so impactful or so effective, why was it followed by the uh, the black liberation movement? Like the black power movement was right. After that, because look what happened during the civil rights movement. So it was it was the civil rights movement was effective to a certain degree. But then after the civil rights movement, that was followed by the black power movement, because we saw that, okay, here goes the rights. But as they gave us rights, they didn't give us economic inclusion. So here goes the rights. You know, you can you you know, you can use our, you know, bathroom and our, our water fountain. But we're going to isolate you in ghettos and we're going to strip you of opportunities to get ahead. And that's what happened. And so you saw that right after the civil rights movement, then here comes the black power movement. Because Tony, I want to hear what you have to say on that, because I make a very good point. Oh, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Tony. Oh, um, he said, Tony. She said, Tony. I know. Well, I'm not going to applaud white people acting civilized. They should have done that, and they should have done that in the first place. Uh, I'm not gonna applaud them for giving me a ride when they know they they they, they uh, won't let me ride on the bus. I'm not giving <laughs> I'm not giving them all that. I, I understand, and believe me, I understand. I, I ain't hard hard on white people per se, but I realize. Oh no, you sound kind of hard. Can, no, we can, we, sound kind of hard here. We can rescue and reconstruct ourselves. 
We, we don't need nobody. We the first people to stand up and speak our own special truth to the world. Well, all of a sudden, I need some Johnny come lately to come tell me anything. I don't need that. And I understand partnerships. If, if, if I'm like I'm like a, a Booker T for things for things social. We can be we can be a fist. I mean, for, right. for, for mutual progress, we can be a fist on social things. We can be as separate as the fingers on the hand. I ain't going to your house. Please don't come to mine. That's, that's just right. that's just me. You know what I mean? And and I think uh, um, I think. We, we have all the talent, everything that we need. I, for me, again, I'll wrap up with this. I think it's so important because when we talk about white people, it's interesting how we always talk about money and how with white folks, you can make a whole lot of money. Well, mm. I'm not going to let them draw the line in terms of what's, what, what success is for me. I live, that's why I live where I live over in Inglewood community. So I can say what I want to say. My house knows reasonable. I ain't got to Tom and book and bend over and give evil an opening just so I can make a dollar. I think we need to reassess in terms of what success is. And I, there's enough resources within our community, within ourselves. I don't see why. The black church is profiting real good. Negroes dropping money in that bucket every every Sunday. They ain't begging and bucking. No, they're not. And they make it, they're thriving because of black people in the community. That most, most of your mega churches, predominantly black people, just put that money in that bucket. So then they ain't got no white people. Well, what's them trying for a minute TV? Then they slam the brakes on him. If we just gonna be honest about this, so, thing. well, Tony, didn't Martin Luther King Jr. need the President of the United States in order to pass the Voting Rights Bill? He also wrote the last sermon why America might go to hell. Come on, Tony. Come on, Tony. <laughs> let's not get it. Let's not suffer amnesia now. Come on, Tony. <laughs> he also went to D.C. to cash a check that was came back insufficient funds. It wasn't just about a dream because was a dream end up being his nightmare. This is true, but you didn't answer my question. Did he what? Did he need the president of the United States to help with that voting rights bill? No, he needed all the black people that was around him. I was going to raise all that hell if he didn't do it. <laughs> In 1994, O.J. Simpson was acquitted with the help of Johnny Cochran uh, of killing his ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman. Was the case normal or can black people usually expect to have a better chance at justice being represented by a white lawyer? Hmm. I'll give this one to you, Luan. Go for it. I would say that that case, when it comes to lawyers, I mean, everyone is qualified to do that. And just that, to me, that case was a unique case in itself. I don't think that there's any real determination if you have a black lawyer or a white lawyer, what your success is. However, in general, if we take that case aside and look at law as a whole, when you do have white lawyers presenting and all of that, then perhaps the case does go more in your favor. But to me, in that situation, that was a unique case in itself. And it was very powerful. It doesn't take away from the power that Black people have. But when it comes down to the system as a whole, there is a lot that is led by white people. And that is where the success is seen. Yeah. Thornell? Well, you know, I, I absolutely co-signed um, on what Luan is saying. In this particular instance, there are absolutely there are uh, specialties in law, and you know, depends on depending on what the case law is, um, and depending on what the case are. It's it's on, I believe it's on a case by case basis, but I do think we're getting to the point where um, we have had enough success, public successes, that um, black lawyers could absolutely achieve um, you know success in a case like the uh, OJ um, case, if it was, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot, if that would, would be. I'm interested to see what happens in front of the Supreme Court as that 
shifts and changes and whether there'll be black lawyers arguing cases in front of the Supreme Court. Ah, okay. Laverne, how do you feel about this O.J. Simpson uh, trial? Well, I feel that he had a, a wonderful lawyer that represented him in court. And if I was going to court, I would want the best lawyer and I would want to know that my attorney has my interests um, at heart and I wouldn't care if he was white, black, red, or orange, just so long he win my case. Mm, that's a good point. Whatever happened to uh, Dr. Mayotte, the best man for the job? What if it happens to be a white lawyer or a white doctor or a white teacher? And I'm not saying that white people don't have anything to offer, Tammy. That, that's not what I'm saying. But the whole idea of us needing white people, um, that is problematic for me. You know, I, I think that, you know, as you know, any group of people have their, you know, their talents and their skills um, and, and you can and we can utilize them. Right. But to sit here and act like I need I have a problem with that, that 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 dependency we need white people, you know, that that's very problematic for me. Um, but going back to what you were saying, uh, you were saying something about the um, prior to OJ Simpson, Tammy, what did you mention? What case did you mention? Girl, prior you to OJ. Civil rights. The civil rights. Yeah, rights. you said something. Yeah, yeah, it was Dr. King. It was, it was Dr. Yeah. King. It was Dr. King. You said that he need Lyndon B. Johnson, right? And yeah. as I stated over and over again, Tammy, the push at that particular time was integration. So if you're trying to integrate with white people, then you need white people to sign on for that, to sign up for that, right? You need them to co-sign that because you're trying to integrate with white people. But if your goal is not to integrate with white people, then you do not need white people. Well, That's my goal right line. now, Dr. Ma'at, is to integrate this commercial because I need green money. <laughs> Business of being black will be back. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack, and the business of being black today is, is white or does white make it right? So in 2021, a black professor at John Hopkins, uh, Johns Hopkins uh, University had his home in Maryland appraised at $472,000. He then removed all the pictures of his family and had his white colleague, another professor at Johns Hopkins University, stand in for him for a second appraisal a few months later. I don't have to tell you the results, do I? The home was then appraised at $750,000. How could this situation have been resolved without a white ally? How? Lawan? And that, that shows right there, he recognized the power <laughs> in the white allyship right there. He was counted out by putting his family up there, his pictures up there. He was counted out from the very beginning just based off how he looked, not who he was, his demographics, any of that. So then he recognized, okay, I know it's worth more than this. It may not have been the ideal way that he wanted to go about it, but he's like, okay, let me switch these pictures up and I know that I would get what I was worth because it's a system issue. It's not just an individual issue. So that was how he learned to work the system to his benefit. Laverne. Well, uh, there goes to show you that he he knew, you know, that the house was much worth so much more money than what it was appraised at. So he did what he needed to do to handle his business. So sometimes at the end of the day, it don't matter if they white, black, green, or whatever color, long as that money gonna add up right, he did what he needed to do to handle his business. 
Was it was it necessary for him to have a white partner in this case, Thornell? Oh, uh, here we're back, back at that word again. I think, um, I mean, I don't know the basis, if it was supposed to be a sociological study or if, or if it was a, a, an attempt to kind of find, you know, a better pricing for his house that was up for sale. But I think that it was smart for him to uh, reveal the disparity and utilizing his white colleague was absolutely the best way to do that because it highlights for us an ongoing problem in redlining and black housing values in um, uh, black neighborhoods. He was trying um, to refinance his home. How could he have done that, uh, Tony, without the white man who helped him? If he's willing to use a white boy to get over and he <laughs> sold a house to a white boy, I'm fine with that. Plenty of problems. If he was, was burning a white boy, good. He's working within the system of white folks, so I ain't got no problem with that. Tony, do you do you have any white friends? Yeah, I have a bunch of them. But <laughs> I, but see, but see the problem. But see the difference is, I got more respect out of kicking them than y'all do loving them. Because I, <laughs> I tell the truth, I'm I'm not, you know, because what happens is when we deal with white people, and I think we, and I deal with HIV and health, right? Right. And invariably, I got to deal with white people all the time. I just let them know that I understand the difference between well-intended ignorance and conscious stupidity. And I have to, I have to let them know what's happening with me because they know how, how I stand. I don't do multicultural. I, I'm supportive of everybody, but I do black first. And I That's say, right. I'm not afraid to say black. I'm not going in there bucking and pretending that we're going to do this for everybody. I'm doing black first. And that's why I can do what I do in, in my area of work because I'm honest about it. I ain't mad at nobody. I'm happy. I got a happy life. I'm so surprised you're on a show called Fox Soul. <laughs> I'm trying to bring some I'm trying to bring some soul to it, babe. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Mahat, what do you feel? I, I mean, homie needed his white friend in this uh this time of refinancing his home. Yeah, I mean, and, and I re I remember this, and I want to quote Dr. Amos Wilson. Dr. Amos Wilson said, you know, don't get the individual, you know, confused with the collective. So he used his white friend, right? And so does that mean that we need white people because in this moment, a colleague, a black colleague, utilized his white colleague, you know, t for his advantage or to his advantage. No. And so again, Dr. Ames Wilson said, don't get the individual confused with the collective. So does that mean collectively we need white people? No. This was a this was an instance where you had a, a, a black brother who ended up using his white colleague to get ahead. And I'm with, I'm with Tony, you know, if hey, get it how you get it. <laughs> Here's a hard question for you all before we move on to your projects. Is there ever a time when white people need black allies? Mm. Thornell. Um, I'm going to just say it, and we know this to be true. When it comes to authenticity and culture in the United States, they absolutely need black people. And it's, it goes back to slavery. We are the backbone of American culture. All right, uh, Laverne. Yes, very much so, because, um, you know, for cultural differences, um, one time I was listening to this, I was on the show, and the lady was talking about someone came and knocked at her door and said, um, hello, you have a huge yard, and I have a tent, can I camp out in your yard? You know, and she was a white lady, and she was like, well, maybe. But on the other hand, she would have had black friends. Her black friends would say, tell them no. You know, tell them to go to Walmart. There's plenty of room in the Walmart parking lot. <laughs> Laverne, please tell us, tell us about Curly's House Food Bank. 
Okay, Curly's House, like I said, we're a nonprofit organization. We feed over several thousand families a month, and we have those seniors survive that are on a uh, fixed income. And right now we are rapidly approaching the holidays and y'all, we need those turkeys. We need donations. So you could go to our website and make a donation to help us as curlyshousefoodbank.org. Thank you. Laverne, what can you tell us about, I'm sorry, Lawan, what can you tell us about your book, Rising Above Statistics? Rising Above Statistics is about overcoming obstacles against all odds, navigating systems, trauma, challenges that you may face so that you can really go from being down and out to becoming successful. Love it. Thornell, the Ovation Agency, and your client, Lee England Jr. Well, you know, I think we we'll all agree that Michael Jordan was about excellence. And Michael Jordan called my client, Lee England Jr., the Michael Jordan of the violin. He's got a new single coming out on Friday, Friday called Beyond. It's about a journey within, finding your inner light. And it's also about building a bridge with the motherland, with Africa. Check it out coming this Friday. Love it. Thank you. Dr. Ma'at, please tell us about Meltrek Conscious ingenu uh, uh, Ingenuity and the Asafo Training Camp. Well, uh, Meltrek is a program that teaches children about the history, culture, and achievements of melanated people, specifically Black people, from an African-centered perspective. You can get it on Amazon, or you can get it at edanimeproductions.com. Uh, uh, Conscious Ingenuity is a program that utilizes uh, STEAM, science, technology, engineering, art, and mathematics to build character, confidence, and capabilities. Uh, the Asafo Training Camp is a uh, summer camp uh, that focuses on uh, manhood development in boys between the ages of 12 and 14, and uh, as well as character education. So the whole the whole gamut. And so support, edit, go to edenemyproductions.com. All right, Tony, talk about what you're working on at UCLA and Jumo Health. Uh, Choose Life is working with UCLA and Jumo Health to deal with and address with health inequities and disparities among Black people all over this country. Our goal is to teach us how we can rescue and reconstruct ourselves and teach our people that your oppressor can never be your teacher if liberation is your goal. And we want to always teach each other, love each other, support each other, rescue, reconstruct ourselves, and create the good world that we all want and deserve to live in. Can white people attend that class? <laughs> Only... Only if they come with a pass, and then I got to watch them. <laughs> a pass? Okay. <laughs> okay, real quick, before we get out of here, one thing, I need you to name one thing, one reason why Black people need white people. One, one. LaJuan? Partnerships. Thornell? Partnerships. Laverne? Partnerships. Okay. Dr. Maat, one thing. We don't. <laughs> that was two, Dr. Maat. <laughs> Tony, take us home. To know what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. That is the business of being Black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Thank you, Tony, Lawan, Laverne, Thornell, and Dr. Maat. I'm Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. What's that place you've always wanted to try? Well, you're there. Sharing plates with just one bite. Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. 
With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash Farm Energy Assessment.